You're very welcome to UbiFit Talks, our regular podcast where I talk to some of Galway's leading sports, health and wellness personalities. Today, I'm chatting to Sinead Bradbury, one of Galway's most prominent nutritionists. Sinead, a member of the famous Connolly Hurling Dynasty from Castlegar, has carved a fantastic reputation and has guided many sports people, teams and the general public to lead a healthier and more energetic lifestyle through good nutrition. I hope you enjoy our chat. Sinead, you're very welcome to UB Fit Talks, the podcast that we're talking to Galway's great sports people, nutritionists, anyone in the health and wellness area that are very prominent. And you particularly, Sinead, especially on the nutritional side, I'm delighted to have a chat with you today. You're very welcome. Thank you. It's great to be here, Owen. That's excellent. And I just, right from the off, we go straight into it. As a nutritionist, and it always seems to me, this is more than a career for you. It seems to be a passion as well. Whenever you give the chats to UB Fish, or I hear you on social media, you really enjoy what you do. Yeah, I do. I'm so glad and I'm so lucky. But I suppose I've worked at directing myself in my career too. But just as a space I love, Owen, it's, I suppose, helping people reach their potential, helping people to enjoy their life, helping people to, I just suppose, give them support to, so they can do whatever they wish to do in their lives, whether it's a work capacity, a sport capacity, a family capacity. And, and that's what I love too. I'm very much working in the sporting circles, but I'd like to think I help and support people optimize their performance in all aspects of their life. Absolutely. And you mentioned one word there, family. I know you come from a great, iconic sporting family, the Connolly Hurling Dynasty, and, and your dad is John Connolly. So I'm assuming growing up, it was a brilliant environment to grow up in. Your dad been involved in, in, as a hurling icon and all your uncles. must have been fantastic to be growing up in that environment. Yeah, it was, to be honest. And it's only when you look back that you realise it, because at the time it was just your norm. But one thing, one of my favourite memories of growing up would be we just grew up behind my grandparents' house. Um, Mamo and Jojo, we used to call them from, you know, the Connemara term, um, yes. the, the Irish term. Yeah. And I just have these great memories of being a small girl and these big, massive men. You know, <laughs> the lads were in, in, living at home for ages, like Michael and Tom and Jerry and Joe. They were all living at home for ages. Yeah. And I was a small girl growing up. And I just remember all the laughing, all the fry ups, all these togs and gear bags <laughs> and jerseys and going out and the uncles robbing each other's shirts and slagging and it was just laughter everywhere. And, Excellent, uh, yeah. And you just be in the corner observing it um, and then all of a sudden it go quiet, everyone's out the door. But yeah, they were great memories. I loved that aspect of it too. And the family, the Connolly family are from Litchamore, wouldn't that be? Whatever yeah, that's, they had. that's so where, yeah. yeah they yeah. came together, so there's the, the, the Gwaigori aspect of it. And actually, I was just curious myself personally, they moved from Litchamore to Cassigar. How did that come about? I think it was just a, a movement at that time. They were encouraging, you know, some local people to move into the city. And sure. my, my grandmother and grandfather availed of that opportunity. Yeah, so dad was three when he moved to Castlegar. So he was quite right. young. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah, excellent. Oh, yeah. No, it's, it, it's great. And as I say, we've heard all the fantastic speeches over the years. It's just fantastic. But also on, on the family side of it and the nutritional side of it, perhaps this is where the, we're talking about the sporting aspect. But perhaps from the nutritional, I hear Nula is an absolutely fantastic, fantastic cook and your house growing up for all your buddies because I've talked to one or two of your buddies, right? <laughs> yeah. oh, my yes, God. oh my God, That's not, that might be good. <laughs> no, no, it's all, actually, it's all very good. <laughs> but they, they've indicated that your house growing up was full of cooking and as you said, they're laughter and very welcoming. So your yeah. mama is pivotal in that. Yeah, and thankfully we always had an open house. Uh, my mother has a saying, the only way to have a friend is to be a friend. So thankfully our house was open to our friends coming in at all ages and 
there was always something in the pot in fairness and she is a great cook and she's a nurse but she gave up I suppose the nursing to to have the children and that's what she did yes. at the time so yeah we were very fortunate there too and she was a farming background as well own and you know there was just a great emphasis on the quality of the food again it wasn't perfect we weren't trying to be you know eating like <laughs> superfoods growing up or anything but it was the local it was the fresh it was the butcher things we've got away from now but we were lucky enough to have at the time you know just that good quality food growing up I suppose and attention to the type of food and the quality of the food yeah so it was and, where, and where. one great delicacy she had one recipe was her shepherd's pie from what I hear. <laughs> she'd be chuffed with all this now usually it's all the John Connolly stuff so a new line delighted oh, to mention <laughs> well this is it from what I can gather I mean, she's a fantastic yeah. lady and all your friends used to love going to your house but particularly Thank you, Thank on, you. on the, the cooking side of it and all that area and I'm guessing that's that's where perhaps you acquired a lot of your love for food and all that area and also one aspect Sinead and this is what I love why I really enjoy your talks is that you don't ram it down people's throats it's okay it's important but there's give and take in relation to your nutritional habits yeah and even funny that you mentioned mum as well on is that like when I set up first she said to get out into the community and go to the people see what they're doing don't limit yourself say yes to things and I loved that she said get out into the community because I suppose that's where you need to be to learn so you know and then when I started working with real lives and real people I I suppose when I qualified first I did think it was eat this and eat that and you know what's the problem everything will be will be fine just cut out all that sort of stuff the wrong stuff but when I started working with real lives then on I realized that people have many different challenges in order to eat well so there's so much to the lifestyle part then as well so I would like to think just because I was blessed with a a really good upbringing in, in terms of the quality of the food and all that that was in our home I would like to make sure that I'm empathetic and compassionate to people who may not have had that advantage, you know. So getting into the, out into the community taught me an awful lot and it was brilliant. I worked with all kinds of different communities and, you know, um, different people, people all, all levels and all ages, yeah. uh, level of knowledge. So that taught me a lot. Uh, that was super. Good. Yeah. And, and I know you've done a lot of work in schools and talking to schools. Yeah. I heard you were some formidable hockey player. Would that be accurate? Yeah. Well, the I, only, don't think, I don't think you got your, your facts right there now. The only thing I did hear that when you played hockey, you tended to use the hockey stick like a camogie stick. Would that be accurate? <laughs> is that it? is very accurate. That part yeah. is very accurate. I was notorious for being treating yeah, the hockey stick like a camogie stick or like a hurling stick. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I heard that. But after Taylor Sill, moving on from that, after Taylor Sill, you went to the UL, isn't that correct? University of Limerick. What did yeah. you study down there? I studied business in German. I majored in marketing and I loved every minute of my time in University of Limerick. Yeah. Excellent, excellent. As much as I loved Galway, getting away was fantastic too. And it was only yeah. down the road and we're like in our own little bubble out there in the university. And I met such brilliant friends from all over the country, like-minded, you know, individuals. It was just brilliant. I loved it. Yeah. From that, how come you went into the nutritional side of it then? What, what? Yeah, so I, yeah, I did marketing and PR and that in Dublin for a few years. Then I did want to move back to Galway. So I was again working in sales and marketing there but funny enough I got an allergy on that I a skin allergy like a it's called idiopathic chronic urticaria so it's like hives and I went around for a long time trying to get someone to support me and to help me but 
you know, it wasn't that debilitating, debilitating sure. but I mean, it was worth investigating the nutrition side to see if it would help. So I kind of sorted it out myself. But then from that, I just said, I want to learn more about treating the body to heal. And I want, I just got really curious. It wasn't something that I wanted to pursue as a career, but I went and studied nutrition then. And I loved that too. And then I just knew that it was a, it was a good fit for me. So I married my business acumen, I suppose, or my studies and set up a business in nutrition so I married the two of them my passion and my, my, my research and studies yeah so correct it was a great combination yeah. and actually you've done a master's recently isn't that correct yeah so that yeah. was the big life decision recently as well about a year and a half two years ago I made a decision to go back a new course master's um, degree in GMIT came up and it was in sports and exercise nutrition and I just wanted to upskill I wanted to know what was going on I wanted to know the latest research and so I committed to that for a year and a half. And again, that was another good move because I met some great people. I learned some amazing things. Uh, my thesis as well, I found very interesting, the topic. But yeah, nutrition is an area owned that you have to keep up to date with. And that was my big one there the last couple of years and just finished now. Isn't it, guys? I've chatted to a few great sporting people in the health and wellness area around Galway recently. Johnny Glynn, Gavin Duffy, Tony O'Regan, yourself. And each to every one of them have pursued further studies later in their careers. So it's, it's, it's really never too late to keep educating yourself, is it? Well, I think you have to f- have a fit mind, as you know, too, Owen, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. And in the, in the context of your master's, the thesis that you did, what area did you focus on? OK, so I knew that I had to dig deep, you know, to, in order to complete it. And I wanted to pick a topic that meant something to me. So a number of years ago, myself and my sister, Ashlyn, we set up Body and Kind as well. It was a women's event company focusing on self-care, fitness and food. So we had these brilliant events where all these women would come and we'd have, you know, have a day of wellness, basically. And so I don't know, that was to the forefront of my mind as well when I was choosing my topic. And the topic was the perceptions of training and competing during menstruation. OK, so what challenges are these in senior intercounty GA athletes facing when they're training and competing during menstruation? You know, so it was a lot to do with mental performance, anxiety associated, symptoms associated with menstruation and the menstrual cycle. But it was so insightful. Another thing that I wanted to one of my objectives was the level of openness in a squad or in a team on the topic. And my findings were quite staggering that there's, it's not being talked about at all. It's not being mentioned. It, it is affecting them, you know, no mood and cramping yes. and different things. So a lot came to light there. And I, I really want to do more in that area to support players so that there's more open communication and more education on the topic as well. So it was really and, interesting. And, and do you think, and perhaps it came out in your studies, is it one reason I think girls by their nature tend to finish sport? Yeah, yeah, there's a big link there, Owen, which I'd be very passionate about as well, because, you know, you talk there about me playing hockey or different things. I was always involved in sport, but I suppose I didn't go on to it in a competitive level. And I'd be quite passionate as well that girls can stay in sport, even if they don't want to, you know, play competitively, that they can enjoy yes. it and different things. But they do reach obstacles at 14, 15, when their bodies are changing and different things are going on. And we don't always know why they're stopping, but the changes to their body can be a barrier to continuing as well. So I know you're assaulting out a car. Tony O'Donnell there had me in for the under 14, yes. under 16s recently to talk about, you know, the whole topic on the underage level. And it was so well received. It was brilliant. And I, I congratulate the likes of Tony O'Donnell and I have another one this evening now for Dunmore McHale's down there. They're opening it up to their age group as well. So, you know, what I would like is for these young female athletes to look out for kind of negative signs in each other so they can support yes. each other. 
not just always coming from coaches or managers or whatever. It can be difficult to bring up the topic, but there's so much they can do if they have the knowledge themselves. Yeah, your teammates can yeah. assist you, help you. And it's ironic you say that because I got a text off a lady recently who had been in her 40s and she just, just and actually it was a Christmas and she just texted me and said, because a lot of people that come to UB Fit will be ladies. I'd say it's about 70, 30%, you know, it's 70% ladies. Yeah. And she just, it was a text from a, a 40, 45 year old lady. Just a, she said, thank you. I've never been, I've never been attached to a team before. She said, you know, and it's just been great to, to be involved in a, in a oh, community really? or a team. And it was just, you know, I, it's probably a springboard in one form or another from what we're discussing now. Yeah. And yeah. Why, why perhaps she gave up sport early, you know, that's that's fantastic. So it, and, and actually I threw out to, to a lot of our people that she needed to be on today having a chat with us. And a few of them came up with a few questions that if you don't mind, I might just put to you from male and female. You know, one question was that. As people age, let's say they're finished their competitive sporting aspect of things. As people age, should they make changes to their diets in relation to exercise or life in general? Is there certain factors they should take into account into account in relation to their nutrition? Brilliant question, by the way, and it is a nice follow-on for what we're talking about because it's really about looking at the age you're at when you're training. So, like I was kind of referring to younger athletes there and female and teenagers and young women. So they need to adapt their training and their nutrition for that for that age. And rightfully so, as you get older, hugely important. And one of the things that's really important as you get older is that we have more requirement for protein because our muscle mass breaks down really easy. You know, yes. and we need to work on that. So weight training and strength training, which I believe you do there to be fit, is massively important. Like we lose about three percent of our muscle mass at each decade as we go on. Wow. Um, so my big message for anybody getting older and it's something I really want to take on board myself is to not be afraid of bulking up be afraid of losing your muscle mass yes okay the opposite yeah protein would be hugely important that would be a big one and then like again as we age there's more there can be inflammation in our system too and inflammaging is a term and it's like the chronic low-grade inflammation that characterizes aging so anti-inflammatory foods would be really supportive too like just remindful of like oily fish and avocados you know like how the mediterraneans eat and yes. know, why they're so healthy all that lovely fish and salads and extra version of oil so antioxidants in those foods as well would be really really important all the colorful fruit and vegetables the other thing so if i was to pick three it'd be protein it would be yes. anti-inflammatory foods the third thing would be gut health so again as we get older the diversity of the beneficial bacteria declines okay so in our gut we need good bacteria and bad bacteria but as we get older the good bacteria kind of changes or diminishes a little bit so think about incorporating just probiotic rich foods things like sourdough bread if you heard of those like certain cheeses live yogurts kombucha drinks that you see out there now in the market and then just a diversity just again a wide variety of healthy colorful fruits and vegetables because it's the variety as well that feeds the good bacteria so we might like one or two three vegetables mix it up and change it around go to the market pick up a new eat in season pick up what's going on you know at different stages of the seasons in the country so change it around to mix it up so that'd be really helpful for your gut health and then even in terms of mood 80 percent of our serotonin own is produced in our gut so you know for good mood for good immunity for good digestion gut health is so important so that would be my number three number and number three. four would be calcium we are aware of it we know it but after the age of 50 bone breakdown outpaces bone formation 
Okay, so we need to get the calcium in there. The strength training will help support that as well. But, you know, it's not just milk. It can be, you know, oranges and nuts and seeds and different things. But vitamin D then alongside calcium is hugely important. So I think at one of my talks that I gave to your gang recently, I was talking about vitamin D and getting tested and all that. So this time of year is good because we can get more sunlight. But, you know, going into the winter, it's really important to know your levels and to, you know, supplement maybe if you need to as well. So anti-inflammatory foods, protein, gut health and calcium would be my top four as you four. Okay, excellent. And, and that's great. And another question that one of the ladies put to us is for prior to exercise, A, how long should you should it be before between the time you eat and the time you exercise? And mm-hmm. B is what should you have to max out on your energy levels in relation to the exercise? type of snack that you should have or that, uh, uh, something that you should eat what would be your recommendations on those two things the time and and the, the product yeah well it's really important that if you're increasing your exercise if in, if a new client comes to you and they're starting out or if you're you know i suppose regular exercising and you want to increase the intensity you really need to modify your diet accordingly and that's where people go wrong they kind of want to cut down on the bad food and cut down on food in general and then increase exercise so they get better results. But if you don't fuel correctly, you'll be in a state of kind of craving sugar all the time. A lot of people think to cut the carbohydrates, cut the breads, cook the pastas, cut all these different carbohydrate sources. But what they're left with is sugar cravings because we need them at the right time in order to fuel our exercise. So we need protein, as you know, we need good fats, but we need carbohydrates. So please don't be afraid of them time them correctly you don't need that many carbohydrates we'll say on a rest day or a non-training day you know but on a training day if you're exercising think about even just adding a carb rich snack about one hour before training so that could be even just rice cakes peanut butter banana even a little bit of honey about one hour before your training that would help sure. or it could be a smoothie with yogurt banana berries maybe a little bit of flaxseed in it. You know, we don't want too much fiber before exercise, but again, we don't want all fruit, but we need a little bit of maybe greens in there or whatever, berries in there too. So one hour before you need a kind of a carb-rich snack, carb and protein. Within one hour as well, Owen, it's really important to kind of optimize the recovery window for, you know, which is kind of one hour after training. Now, there's a process called muscle protein synthesis. I don't want to get too technical here, but it's really important to kind of understand this if you're increasing your exercise intensity. So one hour after training, think about like a protein carb meal. You know, it could be a shake too, but like the ratio we're looking at is about three to one carbs to protein. So, you know, salmon dinner with a portion of rice would be fantastic. You know, some vegetables in there. And then try and think about a regular hit of protein for the next 48 hours. So because in order to help with the recovery process in your muscles, in order to build muscle and repair the muscles after the exercise, you need to be kind of looking at the next 48 hours. So it's important if you're really into your fitness and you want to get fitter, that you know a couple of concepts in the food and sports nutrition that will help you. You don't need to be weighing food or doing anything crazy like that. You know, not that it's crazy, but you don't need to get fixated on it. You need to make sure that you're timing your meals and snacks well in order to get the most from your workouts. Get the max benefit out of it. And following on from that, actually, and it kind of links in with it, there was one lady and she said to me, she needs to eat often, right? Mm-hmm. She needs to eat quite regularly. And she also has a sweet tooth. So she was just curious in relation to what kind of healthy snacks to, I suppose, to substitute the sweet tooth aspect of it. Yeah, well, I find when people need to eat regularly, they're kind of sensitive to sugar because they can absorb it and digest it quite quickly. And one tip would be to make sure when she is eating regularly, 
to include protein with their meals and snacks because that will have no effect on our blood sugars. Yes. So, you know, a bowl of pasta on its own, add a little bit, bit, bit of chicken. If she's having fruit, make sure she maybe might add a handful of nuts. Another bit of advice, we try not to make sure that all your meals are not the same size. You know, try and have a decent breakfast, a decent lunch and a decent dinner. And then your snacks are smaller portions of that. Some people are kind of nibbling away all day long as well and snacking yeah. away all day long. And that just keeps it all moving. You know, it's nice to have regular meal times and then to curb cravings as well as the protein. Healthy fats are really good at curbing cravings as well. You know, if she has a little bit of avocado with her salad or she drizzles some extra virgin olive oil on her, on her vegetables, the fats really help to satisfy and will curb the cravings as well. And then on top of that, just to make sure that she is getting timing her snacks right for before and after training, that she's not under fueling and as a result, craving sugar. Yes. Okay. Yeah. There's not a knock-on effect. Yeah. And actually, Justin, I know we're getting into June now, and I, I just just one or two more questions on it because it's funny. You could talk all day on this, couldn't you? I mean, there's so many different angles totally. and aspects. Totally. Yeah. And I'm just picking a handful of questions that some people ask me just to ask you when they knew I was chatting to you. And I know you've. I'm talking about say say the kids aspect of it. I know you've three wonderful children yourself. What advice is in relation to say? Um, school dinners or school lunches or school boxes my kids are 30 and 25 now so i don't I, it's not for me yeah <laughs> i let give them a school box to go to work with but um <laughs> no for little you know for kids going to primary or secondary yeah yeah well you'd be surprised how kind of boring and normal my kids lunches look now as well on you know but what I try and do is maybe vary the breads, make sure there's a protein content. I don't always listen to them because if they come shopping, they'll want all these like sugary yogurt <laughs> things and, and all these cheesy things. And thankfully, there's a healthy eating policy in the schools they go to as well. So I just think, you know, make sure there's protein, you know, maybe they don't eat a lot at school. So a good start to the day is equally important. I love when I can get a good smoothie into them in the morning. I love when I get eggs into them in the morning. So after that, if they're picking away at their lunch, I'm not too upset sure. or, you know and then when they come home you know a good a good feed then again or and again just to make sure that they're not going if they are going training like gaelic or hurling or you know athletics whatever they're, they're into to make sure that they have the snack as well like my teenager now who's finished school he just headed off there about an hour ago and he was about to just go on the bike and go but i had to intervene stop yeah stop yeah. him and say look at eat this before you go and it was only it was plain yogurt there was a handful of seeds in there there was a banana in it a bit of cinnamon and I gave him a glass of kind of orange juice and at least it was something sustainable yeah. that he wouldn't go off again for hours and then end up going to the shop and getting the wrong thing. So I just think, you know, don't beat yourself up too much. I mean, I think raising kids is a marathon, not a sprint. That's what I have to yeah. say to myself. And again, it starts with you. So if they see you eating well, if they see you stopping to nourish yourself, if they see you enjoying the wrong types of food sometimes, if they see you, you know, I just think it's good that they get a good kind of understanding of how to manage yourself from the parent as well you know and not trying to make sure that they're doing everything perfect all the time and then you go off and eat the wrong things yeah. yourself so well actually it's gas to say that because if it, going back a little bit when you when you were in taylor Steel, you used to love your friday evening treats didn't you when you go uptown which are you been talking to on <laughs> but am i correct and sometimes you might go back for seconds from what i can gather <laughs> yeah it was all it was always progress over perfection with me Owen. I hear you. Yeah. So as you say, it's a it's a journey. It's a it's a, it's exactly, a journey yeah. against the I just sprint. want to know yeah. your I want to know your sources. <laughs> I'd say you can narrow it down so you can. <laughs> that been said. That been said. Another aspect when you were chatting to us there recently, sleep. 
was oh. vital, wasn't it, in the overall health and wellness aspect of things. You, 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 you put a huge emphasis on that. Yeah, I mean, if I didn't do my thesis topic on, on you know, female athletes, I would have done it on sleep because it's always been my clients report back to me as the game changer. You know, and I think no matter what your level of knowledge on nutrition as well, if you're not getting good sleep, you're not able to look after yourself. And I just think you can't push enough the emphasis of good sleep on really any type of fitness or health goal you would have. So if weight loss is your goal, please address your sleep because ghrelin and leptin are two hormones that kind of get disrupted if you're not getting good sleep. Ghrelin gets overproduced and that makes it very difficult to be satisfied from your food. Like a lot of people are going, you know, I need to eat salads and just pick on fruit and increase my exercise to be healthy and to to get fitter or to lose weight. But they're often not looking at the lifestyle first and sleep is number one. And I just feel I'm able to tap into my own wisdom of looking after myself when I get good sleep. And if I'm not getting good sleep or disrespecting the importance of sleep, I grab the coffees, then I'm grabbing the pastries, then I'm kind of running and empty a little bit. And I can see myself how I can you know, lose myself if I'm not getting good sleep. So I just think if, if performance in any way is your goal, if you're a high performing individual of any kind, uh, sleep, I think, needs to be respected and prioritized at, at all costs. So, yeah. And even in terms of repair and recovery, if you're exercising, massively important. Cognitive function and focus, massively important. I suppose you just won't bring out the best in yourself if you're not getting good sleep. So, if yeah, it's always my number one. Yeah. And, and bringing that back a little bit, you mentioned there about sports people and ladies and gents actively involved in sport. What would be your three top tips to give somebody highly active in a competitive sport? Yeah, I would say sleep. And we just covered that topic for all those reasons. That would be my number one. Now, my number two, because I see it so prevalent in the sporting community, because Sport Ireland are driving it out as a message as well, as a take home message at the moment. But the importance of fueling correctly, Owen, that you don't go around underfueling, because if you underfuel, there's this condition, you know, like a syndrome in sport called relative energy deficiency in sport. It's called REDS, right? And if you're underfueled for the intensity of your sport, you can leave yourself open to your immunity getting affected. So recurrent colds and flus and illnesses, more propensity to injury if you underfuel, low mood, bad sleep. And in the female athlete, you can lose your periods and, you know, can affect your hormones so underfueling is dangerous and that's where knowledge comes in and that's where you need to think about how intense is your exercise you know am i fueling well with carbohydrates and, and different macronutrients am i recovering well um, am i sleeping well so it's really just respecting the fact that you are an athlete because sometimes mindset people are just they just grew up playing whatever and next thing they're really good at it and they're on the teams but they haven't adapted their nutrition to the intensity so underfueling would be a big important area and so fueling correctly would be big on my agenda and number three if I had to think about what I'd say to anybody taking sports seriously was it'd be I suppose to focus on what your body can do to work with your body as opposed to trying to change it dramatically you know to respect the body and then not to get too hung up on being perfect you know because you can lose the enjoyment and a lot of sports people are getting very robotic now everything's getting so serious and, you know, you don't want this special time in your life to to bypass you either. So rather than focusing on what you can't do, you know, what you should be improving all the time, maybe you should focus on, you know, your strengths and the enjoyment. Yeah, I suppose respect to the different areas that need attention as well, you know, like the sleep and the hydration and to be tuned into it, of course, but not to be thinking you're going to be getting it perfect all of the time because sports people can be very hard on themselves. 
It's interesting that you say that, unless, of course, you're a professional athlete. But I know sport is, is it's got quite serious now, but it's, it's meant to be a hobby. Yeah. You know, and, and it's yeah. meant to, OK, it's a serious hobby for, for a lot of uh, lads and ladies, depending what code they're playing and what level they're playing. But at the same time, unless you're getting paid for it, it's not meant to be your job. Yeah, you know? I know. And and it's become nearly like a job in a lot of different codes. And that's one issue I would have. I um, agree. Yeah. You, you yeah. may not want to go and play sport. You're not, you just, you don't want, you don't feel you have to go. You should, you should want to go. Yeah, and, I agree. Uh, I, I think that part of it seems to be diminished or lacking or been reduced in the, in the current few years. I, I, that's anyway, that's just my own opinion. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that being said, it's very interesting that you mentioned with those three aspects of it in relation to sports people. And you keep referring back to fueling and just, I suppose, but as a, a different kind of angle on the fueling aspect of it, hydration. Oh yeah. Hydration. You know, I always say to the people, and I'm talking about whether you're actually actively involved in competitive sports or just exercising generally, no matter what you're doing, walking, or day-to-day activity, especially in the current climate with the temperatures rising. Hydration, I would imagine, your water, your liquids, very important. So important, Owen, yeah. And it's it's an area that I have to keep kind of <laughs> drumming home myself. I'm just, I suppose, not a natural intaker of water. It seems to be always a little bit more of an effort. Some people take it, it seems to go more natural to others. But yeah, like 35 mill- millimetres of water per kilogram of body weight is the science to hydrate correctly for, for sport which kind of works out about two and a half to three litres for most, most people. But it's good in the summertime now, you can get your fluids a little bit through water-rich fruits and vegetables like cucumbers and, you know, watermelons. And, you know, you can get it through fruit, you can get it through herbal teas. But it's just being mindful to have your water bottle with you at all times. And, you know, I've seen senior players as well at club and county level, uh, we'll say in the GA circles, that just never got the habit of it and it was never drilled home to them of the importance of it. So I'd urge any coaches or anybody involved underage to make sure even if that alone was all you could do with them in terms of nutrition is to make sure they get into the habit of bringing the water bottle, which I think is out there, which is really good. Bringing the water bottle and understanding the importance of it, of it as breaks and at half time and also the importance of recovery because We'll say if you're playing competitively, you do not want to lose more than 2% of your total body weight through fluid loss own because that's when your performance is greatly impaired. So weighing yourself sometimes before a game or training session and weighing afterwards and just to see what you've lost. And for every kilogram you've lost, you replace that with 1.5 litres of water. So there's a whole science to that too. Sure. And then it's it's good to know as well what level you sweat at because some people sweat an awful lot and other people are not a heavy sweater. So you might need electrolytes as well in there, you know, and even a little bit of salt in your water with a bit of orange juice kind of can be an isotonic drink. So yeah, get to know how you are and your body. But if you can form the habit at a young age, you know, you have a big head start too when you understand the importance of hydration. Yeah, no, it's, 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 and it's one thing I, I, we keep drumming home here in UbiFit exactly that no matter what age or what level of sport or what exercise you're doing, that hydration is is awfully important. You know? Yeah, but that's what's great about, you know, what I see you doing there, Owen, with UbiFit. Like one minute you're singing, the next minute you're down by the beach, the next minute you're having a Zoom quiz. Like, and that's what health is to me as well. It's not just talking about you know, your measurements are your calorific intake. It's about enjoying yourself and, you know, adding fullness to your life, helping you to relieve some stress, being with other people, being in a team, as one of your clients said there recently. And, you know, we need to support people if we if we are in the health and wellness industry and, and we need to support them and help them and remind them. And if you do that, then it's a good day's work. Absolutely. No, very much so. And actually, Sinead, I'm afraid 
we're coming to the conclusion, right? We could talk about this all day, as you know, and I've said it to you at the start. And yeah. we, we have talked for ages sometimes at presentations and at, at different functions. And it really is, it's a fantastic topic. And it's so important and so integral, not just to sport, but to our day-to-day lives, you know. I really, really want to thank you, Sinead, for coming on today to have a chat with UB Fit Talks. There's only one thing else I want to say to you, right? That if I'm ever passing Castle Gar, right, and Nula Connolly has the shepherd's pie on, will you ask her to give me a phone call? Because <laughs> I wouldn't she mind will, She will time it perfectly for your arrival, alone, you know, and you can have a big bowl of ice cream afterwards as well. Oh, excellent. You might think you get the, that in, in the Connolly household, but you would. <laughs> <laughs> excellent. I look forward to that. Sinead, thank you so much, right? Best of luck with the future and everything that you're doing. It's great stuff, very important. And I, your style about it, your information on it, it's just phenomenal, it's fantastic. And well done, and thank you. Most welcome. Thank you, Owen.